here and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck and be more confident in your 30s. I am so excited to release this week's episode. It's on a topic that I truly believe isn't spoken about enough and the guest is so knowledgeable and I know that you're going to take so much away from this episode. But before I talk about what the episode is about and I introduce this week's guest, I just want to give you a little update. I just got back from an incredible 11 day trip to Japan. Nine of those days I was traveling with Vacay Crew Travel who are a company that organize luxury travel for those aged 25 to 45 and it's uh, mostly solo travel so most people that go on the trip come alone. So very very aligned with my business and aligned with me and what I like to do and they invited me along to Japan to experience a trip firsthand and It was honestly amazing. So for those of you that follow me over on Instagram at Turning30Coach, you may have seen some of the things that I've been getting up to for the past couple of weeks. But I honestly have to say, and don't get me wrong, Japan is wow, incredible. And Tokyo, amazing. I had such an amazing time. The best food, shopping paradise, really couldn't recommend it anymore for a travel destination. But I think more than anything, the main reflection of my trip is how fun and refreshing and, you know, just different from my everyday life it was to join a group of people who I never met before and to go on an adventure with them and to have an experience with them. I was the only Brit, which was quite interesting amongst seven Americans. It was me plus six others. And... I sometimes struggle with social anxiety and before I was going to meet the group I was already checked into my hotel room and we were meeting downstairs I started to feel a bit nervous thinking like oh my gosh how is it gonna be I'm spending you know nine days with these people and I did not have anything to worry about they were all just honestly hilarious we had such a laugh together it was so much fun and after the trip and when we were saying our goodbyes and I was in transit on the way home I was just thinking how important it is to really make new friends at this age and to meet new people and to have new experiences and to do things different to your usual life and a usual friend group and that's really why I'm so passionate about running the turning 30 retreat this summer I am running it with my co-host Yelena and there are still spots left so I just wanted to invite you all if you're looking to have a new experience and you know to go on a new adventure and meet a new group of people then these four days are going to be really transformational and that's not even discussing all the other things that we're going to do the amazing journey you're going to go on back into alignment with all the activities that Elena and I have planned so I just wanted to come on before the episode and remind you to check the retreat out and guess just to tell you that those 11 days in Japan were just like I said before so refreshing and just fun it was just really simple amazing time to be with others and yeah like now I've got all new contacts they all live in the states which I look forward to connecting with them when I'm next over on that side of the world So yes, I really, really enjoyed Japan and I encourage any of you who are looking to join a travel crew and to, you know, if you want to solo travel but you don't want to necessarily do a big city like Tokyo alone and obviously Japan is extremely difficult to organize things, then uh, head over to their website and you can use the voucher code that I'll actually put in the show description notes. So you can go over there and get a discount for being part of this Turning 30 community. Now for this week's episode. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking again about money. So for those of you who are avid podcast listeners, you will know that I've done a couple of episodes with Ellie Austin Williams talking about Uh, money and how it is to be in our 30s and have financial expectations and 
all the different topics around that. And when I released the last episode, which was around two months ago now, I had such interesting conversations and interesting dialogue with many of my community on my Instagram page. And what I realized from those conversations was that this is a really hot topic. And this is a topic that so many of you want to know more about. And investments and investing is a topic that is so often aimed at men and aimed at, you know, people who are in the corporate world or who have access to a lot of money and who are very privileged. And I really wanted to invite Anna, this week's guest, on to talk about how as women we can be more knowledgeable about investing and we can you know spread that information and talk about this topic really openly so that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode so let me introduce the guest so the guest is Dr Anna Emily and she is the founder of She's So Money She's So Money is a financial literacy and investing education company aimed specifically at women she helps women learn how to keep manage and grow their money and reach financial freedom more quickly and without the overwhelm. Welcome Anna to this week's podcast. Hey Anna and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation as you know because I've reached out to you before in the past you know finances, financial planning, investing, all this topic is is such a big one and such a foreign concept to so many people and I know a lot of my audience are interested in understanding about this you know this topic and this industry so I'm really happy to have you here and I have so many good questions but before we even dive into the more practical stuff I would just love to hear from you your story into getting into this topic and this niche and to helping women with it how did you come to it yeah so my business that I have now, what I do now, is 100% tied to my own experience. About nine years ago now, so around 2014, I started my first ever business and I was studying full time. So it was really just a side hustle because I was broke, basically. And it, long story short, it went really well, really quick. So my income just grew and grew and grew and grew and this business just took off, which was amazing. And I went from earning next to nothing to earning more than five figures a month. And probably like most people that experience that level of income growth in such a short time, because that was in the space of about 18 months, I just spent all the money. But I was living my best life. I was traveling all the time, buying all the designer things, flying business class. I got a really, really amazing car. I got a apartment in my dream building. I just upgraded my life in Mm. all the ways and I was loving it. Don't get me wrong because I used to be, you know, I used to struggle with money. So to then go into a space where I didn't have to worry about that anymore was, was amazing. And A few years into that business, around 2019, I started to feel like, A, actually 2017, it was not really what I wanted to do anymore, but also my income suddenly plummeted through no kind of fault of my own. It was a kind of, um, I was in network marketing, so it was to do with the company that I was with. And it was just a really weird time because I had all these financial commitments, but my income was dropping really quickly. And I was also thinking, "Mm, I don't really want to do this anymore. So that was the first kind of point in my life where I started to realize that I didn't really have very much to show for all the money I'd made. Basically, I was panicking about money, which just felt really ridiculous because I'd been earning, you know, really good income. And over the next few years, I basically decided to get my shit together (laughs) with money. Mm -hmm. And I slowly started to learn what I could about personal finance. And I ended up saving a hundred thousands, which was this huge milestone. And just the process of doing that changed a lot for me. And I built amazing habits doing that. But I also realized at that point that there still must be 
more to the story because I remember locking some money away in a kind of high interest savings account with a bank for two years and when it got returned to me I put I put 10,000 pounds in UK pounds and I think I got 100 pounds back after two years and so I thought wait a minute and basically I realized I'd, I'd been talking about financial freedom from the day I started my first business that's, that's all I talked about I want financial freedom and I actually did not understand how to get it I was doing everything wrong I was just spending my money I, I felt like I, I was quote rich when in reality I wasn't because I was still tied very closely to my income to maintain my lifestyle and that's when I discovered investing and I guess like most women I was familiar with property say investment properties but I had never I mean I knew what the stock market was but that was about it and I was in my early 30s so I had no pension which is the UK equivalent of, you know, like 401k or superannuation, depending where you live. So nothing set aside for retirement. And the whole time that I'd been earning good money, not a single person had said to me, make sure that you're, you know, investing it, you know, are you... And so it was just this journey of like, oh my God, you know, there's this whole world of investing, which we actually have to partake in to even be able to retire comfortably is the bare, bare minimum. And then to actually be financially free, we have to invest, you know, that's the basis of it. And I just had no idea. And I thought the stock market, especially was this terrifying gambling casino kind of thing, (laughs) which isn't at all. So yeah, and then I think it was just this, you know, realization that we don't talk about it, especially as women, it's incredibly male dominated. And I just couldn't believe that, yeah, no one had told me this and how important it is, like possibly one of the most important things you'll ever do in your life, to be honest. So I just didn't want other women to make the same mistake, which is what led me to start She's So Money. So yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And I feel like there's so much to unpack in the story. I have so <laughs> many questions about it. And I just love the fact that this all happened as you were turning 30, right? The business and the, <laughs> all that growth that you had. And then this, like you said, the circumstances changing and then you going from having a lot to having a little. And then this discovery of investing and everything was literally as you were turning 30 and in your in your early 30s. And from what I understand now, and maybe you can just kind of update the audience who haven't, you know, I follow you on Instagram, I know we're in touch, but lots of people, you know, you're new, you're new to them and you can kind of do that after what you're doing now and how, how learning how to invest and I guess completely switching your money mindset, which we'll speak about a little bit more. How has that now changed your life? What's going on for you now? Well, saving 100k was like the first foundational piece I think that had this really really big impact for me especially in terms of mindset and how important it was to not avoid my finances but I think I mean it's changed my life in so so many ways firstly I mean I have complete clarity and I guess a sense of peace around money that I never used to have because I feel very confident about what exactly I actually have to do with my money to be financially free and I'm very clear not just from you know up until I learned about investing and the I want to say the numbers behind it but I don't want people to think oh shit because I know people are scared of numbers so it's it's actually not that complicated but now I know like numbers and I have exact goals to work toward for example I know how much I need to invest every month into the stock market to reach my goals, then I just feel this sense of control. Like I have my own plan to retire early as a multimillionaire. Whereas before it was just, oh yeah, I want to be financially free. And in my head, that just meant being rich or, you know, having enough money to have the experiences or the things that I wanted. And I didn't really understand how you actually leverage money to create a day of freedom where you don't have to work anymore 
Mm. So it's definitely given me that. And I did a post recently about the best thing that saving 100K gave me was the ability to fall apart Mm. because between about 2017, I mean, really (laughs) the first half of my 30s, to be completely honest, I was not in a good place mentally and I was in a pretty dark space for well really up until maybe about a year ago Mm -hmm. so there was several times where I didn't actually work I mean I eventually took almost a year away from doing any kind of income generating work and I would not have been able to do that if I didn't have savings Mm -hmm. and when I well during COVID I Flew, was able to fly back to the UK because I actually live in Australia normally. Mm. And I had broken up with my fiance. And so because it was COVID, there, the flight prices were highly inflated. So it cost it's about 7,000 UK pounds to wow. for a return flight. Yeah. And I was able to pay that in full out of my savings and I could see because I was in loads of Facebook groups of people that were either stuck in the UK or they were stuck in Australia and they could not afford they didn't have the money on hand to go and see their family and so I just felt very grateful in that moment that I could fly back and be with my you know a lot of people would say that was (laughs) a lot of money but you know for me to be with my loved ones while I was just in a really shit place basically uh, emotionally was worth the money yeah so yeah I mean it's cha- I mean we could do a whole podcast really on on that question but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no I think it just what to reflect back it is just that that peace of mind and that security and that knowing that if things go wrong that you do have you know something to fall back on which I do want to say like it is something that I think as single women in our 30s it is a big factor to consider. And I'm, you know, I can also say that, you know, getting out of a big relationship at that age, when I was 33, finances is something that can often keep people in a relationship for longer or not even necessarily Mm -hmm. the finances, but just that fear of being alone and having to support yourself and being, you know, not having that partnership or that person to fall back on. It is something that I know a lot of women struggle with. So I think that's a really you know, a very big point actually is to say that it just provides you with that almost that independence that a lot of the time people struggle to, you know, to think about when it comes to finances. Yes. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, women being able to, you know, there's, there's a lot of education and resources and things and conversations out there about women making more money. And that's amazing. However, there's considerably less about actually holding on to that money and growing it in a way that's going to support you and protect you and give you the life you want and really that is the key piece I mean if you want to be wealthy you want or even if you just want to retire comfortably Mm -hmm. and be safe and protected you know you need to be able to do that and I have had well I've heard way too many stories for my liking of women who have been trapped in toxic or abusive relationships because they didn't have the financial resources to leave so on top of all the million reasons why it's so important for for women to have their own money and hold on to it that is definitely high up there for sure yeah and I think that it's something very obvious but I am still going to say it out loud and I guess we can open that conversation is why is it so male dominated the stock market and investing and all these things like it's I'm sure it's societal conditioning and it's from our parents and our parents parents generations but I can honestly say that it's you know and I don't have it's not a huge part of my life but my male friends are way more in touch with investing and finances and taking control of money than my female friends and it's funny because earlier Last week, I met up with a close friend of mine who was visiting and she was talking about how she invests in the stock markets. And it really dawned on me. I was like, wow, you're my only female friend that is either saying this out loud or that does that. And I think it really just shone a light on me of how, firstly, the taboo of speaking about money in general, which I think, again, it is very British as well, but also in in most of our 
worlds, people don't like to share about money. And the second thing of being that investing just feels so much less accessible for women. What do you think about that? Oh, where to start? (laughs) Um, So I want to start by saying that we have to realize that for our generation, we are, and I'm going to say millennials here, millennial women, we are the first generation of women ever to have this opportunity. So I speak with so many women and their initial kind of energy around it or that the words that they use is, are things like, oh, I'm, I'm just really bad with money or they apologize. Actually, the number one, they did a study on this and the number one word that a woman uses with a financial advisor is I'm sorry. Wow. So the thing is, how on earth are we meant to even know any of this? So women are saying oh I'm bad with money I'm sorry it's like we are literally the first generation of women ever to be able to invest in the stock market like we can and really ever to have the opportunities we have to build our own wealth because you know we didn't used to be able to own property because we were the property and this wasn't you know something that was like hundreds and hundreds of years ago this was our mums and our grandmother's generation so I really want everyone to feel that in their cells because, you know, we have this expectation on ourselves, like we should quote know this, but we've inherited all this generational trauma. And, you know, as women, we've been told for generations and generations and generations that we are not capable enough to handle our own money. Mm. so that our mothers will have probably passed that down to us you know whether that was consciously or not consciously but they that they didn't know any different and you know our grandmothers certainly didn't so I think it's so important for us to remember that yeah and wow I I just want to say as well like I think that we forget how recent it is. And maybe, you know, the statistics, I don't know them off by heart, but like it wasn't that long ago that women weren't even allowed to purchase property in their own name or open a bank account without their husband's signature. And I know it's different in different countries, but I think that we forget it. And what you're saying is actually so interesting how we need to remember that it's not been that accessible to us. And I think, you know, something that came up for me is that for a lot of women, it's like, oh, well, it's not that interesting to me, you know? Like, I'm more interested in clothes and, you know, I don't know. For me, it's like finances and sitting and, like, doing my finances feels like it's not interesting. Whereas for a lot of men, they love it, right? They actually follow the stocks and they – I could even say that my partner, like, he's really into, like, following and watching YouTube videos about the stock market and he invests and all this yeah. stuff. And for me, it's like, oh, that's boring, it doesn't feel like I want to do it. It just feels like, okay, maybe I should, but it's not of interest to me. And I think that we need to forgive ourselves because why would it be of interest to us when it's like the same way that men aren't promoted beauty products and anti-wrinkle creams and yeah. you know clothes? No one is promoting to me to go yeah. and be interested in the stock market. It's those, those gender stereotype marketing yes. isn't, isn't coming to me. So there's something about that there that it's like, yeah, it makes sense. If my, you know, my generations above me also aren't feeding me and telling me, okay, you should go and be good with money. Plus society isn't advertising and promoting to me that money should be something as a woman I should be interested in. Then it does make sense why for me, I would rather go shopping online than go and check the stock market. Yeah, exactly. All of that. And we have so many barriers up against us as women that to be frankly honest it's it's depressing if I was going to give you all the stats but you know we earn less when we're in a job which is why I'm a huge fan of entrepreneurship for women because at least we have more chance of leveling the playing field there's a huge huge wealth gap between men and women I mean because we have only recently had the opportunity to own assets you know like property or stocks Mm -hmm. and yeah there's massive massive societal conditioning um but it's like it's the same reason as okay like why are there less women engineers it's because girls are told from very young we're conditioned in very particular ways and you know there's 
tons of studies about this. Actually, the the owner of um, Starling Bank is a woman, and she's done a lot of research into this, that all of the articles or like the majority of articles aimed at women when it comes to money is, you know, how do you save more money? And we're told that we're frivolous spenders and the way that we're going to get ahead with our money is to stop spending so much, which is why we're all riddled with guilt every time we spend money. Whereas men are told like to invest. And there's, yeah, it's a very valid point that how many more women, you know, would we have? And, and also finance as a world isn't like you said incredibly male dominated and we all know that when you work in a male dominated industry you have to put up with a lot of sexism and abuse and you know it's a really work in the finance industry is incredibly tough for a woman like hopefully it's starting to change but there's all these barriers that would indicate why someone you know shuts down and also we don't like to do things that feel hard or that we feel we're not competent at so if you have more of a fixed mindset around it or you feel like you know really helpless or it makes you feel stupid or dumb or things like that then you're not going to want to spend time doing it because it's like oh you know I I can't get this like I don't want to get my head around it so I think that yeah, it's, it's a very valid point. And also, you know, there's also studies to show that women are actually better investors than men. On average, we get better returns. Mm. And that's because we actually are, well, it's because we're less likely to kind of play around in the stock market and we're less likely to treat it like a, a game, which is what men tend to do. And women are also told over and over again that we don't like to take on risk and that is also not true we just lack education around the you know things like investing and I think when people when women really understand what it is and what it can do for you and they they're fully informed then you know and don't get me wrong actually you know solid stock market investing is boring in so many ways and but you don't have to you know, do like the kind of things that your boyfriend's doing where you're on, you know, the apps all the time and you're looking at charts and like you actually don't have to do any of that to be successful in the stock market. You know, you can spend very little time per month doing it or you might find out that you're a massive nerd like me. And (laughs) when I found it, I was like, oh my God, I want to learn all the things and and I love it. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm just so happy we're having this conversation because, you know, myself and I'm sure so many people listening will just feel a sense of relief in a way and not feeling alone that we have that the guilt mindset and the the lack of competence, because when we put it like this and we really dive into this topic like we have, I think it, it makes sense. Like everything that we're saying, hopefully will resonate with people and then almost give people permission to say, OK, even though up until now I felt like I feel guilty about spending and feel frivolous or that feel Mm. almost like something that comes up for me, you know, to share is that I feel like there's such a barrier to entry with investing. And then it feels like almost like it's too big. The world is, it's, it's too much information. So maybe Mm. I think we can move on the conversation to more practical things of what to do. You know, let's just give an example. Let's say you are inspired by this conversation, you feel like you do want to start investing or you do want to even start educating yourself about investing for the point that you'll be ready to do that. Where do you yeah. start? And maybe you can share your own journey of where of where you started. Yeah, it's a really good question. So I always say, you know, definitely start with educating yourself, basically. So I think what I did was I started following people on Instagram um, and the next step that I actually took was to do a, a course I took a course on stock market for women and the woman that I did it with I you know I think I was just so like wow there's like hardly anyone talking about this so you know when I found her I like latched on because obviously you know a lot of finance educators stock market educators are men you know there's more and more women now which is good because you know I think it's important for us to learn from someone that we can relate to on some level but yeah I I educate educate 
educate, you know, start listening to podcasts, start following educators on Instagram. If it's something that really, really intimidates you and my, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but she'll probably never listen to this, but my sister is my ultimate project because she literally goes into a meltdown over this kind of thing. She, her whole nervous system shuts down she will cry she has you know and she has this extreme reaction to it and I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate maybe even this podcast is making them feel a bit like oh god (laughs) so she's my ultimate project in terms of taking her to a you know a space where she feels she can start to manage her finances and understand investing and I find if you start just following people you know when you're just on Instagram or listen to podcasts that are, you know, more bite-sized. You're just slowly integrating the information. Don't put any pressure on yourself like, oh, I need to learn this right now. If you're in your 30s, you still have plenty and plenty of time to learn this and get started and all the things. So I don't want anyone to feel like that sense of being under pressure, but I think that's kind of what I did. And it slowly, you know, I'd start to kind of pick up ideas and, you know a lot of learning about the stock market in particular you will need to kind of go over things a few times for them to click and and really get it so that's kind of what I did and then when I felt ready I took a course which kind of because there's so much information out there if you look for it it can be overwhelming which is why I have my program too because I kind of you know it's that way of condensing all of the information and you know you want to know like what's relevant and what's not and what do you need to know and what you don't need to know so but actually to be perfectly honest after I took the course it took me a full year before I had the courage to actually invest Mm -hmm. so I say start that journey of just slowly starting to familiarize yourself with it now because you know for some people it, it can take much longer and there's lots of different reasons for that like some people have financial trauma and some people have experienced a reality where they have had no money and so if you've kind of grown up believing that the stock market is this place where you you know it's like gambling or you could lose all of your money neither of which are true then you're going to feel a lot scared more scared you know to put your money in because you're thinking oh god I'm going to lose all my money and because you you've had that trauma from from the the past and I think with investing it's really really important for you to educate yourself because what I notice a lot with especially the American educators is it's very easy for people to want to know like oh what exactly what do I invest in like people just want you you to give them the answers right like and I get it I totally totally get it they want you to say put your money in this this and this however the problem with that is you don't really understand where you're putting your money and you don't really understand why you're putting your money there and that is really really important and the only way that you can actually have someone tell you exactly what where to invest is to have a financial advisor. And I have nothing against financial advisors, but if you go into that relationship completely not knowing anything about the stock market, you you put yourself in a very, very vulnerable situation. Mm-hmm. And unless you have an excellent, super trustworthy, transparent advisor, which I think is probably more on the rare side, mm-hmm. then you know, again, you're just coming from a disempowered place. Another way that you can, and I kind of, I guess, I guess I'm giving you an annoying, an annoying answer because I know people want like, do this and do this and do this. Mm -hmm. But it really is that, that education point, because one of the like more practical steps that you can do is download a, what's called a micro investing app. And these, differ for where you are but if you google you know best micro investing apps in my country then it'll bring up loads of options for you and what these do is they allow you to start investing for very very little so you can invest you know a pound a week if you want to what they allow you to do is buy what's known as a fractional share which is like a tiny bit of a whole share 
So that means that you can, you know, put in very, very small amount. I do find even, you know, when people are doing this, they're still just like buying blindly. So they're like, oh, I bought this and I don't really know what it is. However, it can be a really good step because when you're on the platform and you're looking at all the things that you have, the options that you have, it's then going to prompt better questions from you in your education. So you're, you know, you're going to say, oh, I've found this thing that I can invest in. I'm going to go and research what it means and mm-hmm. and things like that. And a lot of these micro investing apps allow you to invest in set portfolios. So they use what's known as robo advisors. So when you download them, they're going to ask you some questions and they will basically suggest a portfolio for you. And typically it's based on low, medium or high risk. You choose, they will tell you, we think you should have this one. And then they're pre-made for you. Um, So again, you know, you, you can start putting a bit of money into those and start to familiarize yourself with like the terminology and be like oh I you know I want to know more about this or this means mm-hmm. again I know a lot of I've had conversations with women that have, have said oh I you know I chose a low risk portfolio because I kind of freaked out again it's so important to understand what risk you know your risk tolerance in the stock market means because it actually it doesn't mean you know if you're someone who's scared to throw yourself out of a plane like me I mean in life I I'd say I have a quite low risk tolerance like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. find me bungee jumping or things like this but in the stock market I invest in what's known as high risk investments because I understand why I do that and I understand what risk means so I hope this is all making sense but it's kind of like that the micro investing apps can be good to like prompt some better questions from you and to like direct your research, I guess, and your education in a particular way until you really, really start to get your head around it. And then the next stage would be basically, you know, feeling more confident investing higher amounts, Mm -hmm. which you need to do and knowing like, yes, you know, I'm putting my money here. And I think that there is a lot, I had this conversation with someone recently, there's a lot to be said for as women, we really need to take radical responsibility for our finances you know and I have this conversation with my clients all the time because I'm not a financial advisor so I have to be you know I'm limited in what I can say and at first I felt like that was you know a hindrance but actually it's like I want women to say yes I invested in this stock or this thing this fund because I understood what it was and I did the research and I thought yes this this suits me and you know sure run it past people absolutely but but owning that decision and not feeling like you need someone to like guarantee things for you Mm -hmm. because there is risk investing but you can limit that risk and I think when you really understand the trade-off that you're making when you're not investing your money it it just puts a different light on it so yeah sorry if that was an annoying (laughs) No, it's not annoying. I think there's so, so much good pills of wisdom there, really practical steps, you know, especially about the education, doing a course, the Mm -hmm. micro investing, assessing risk, all those things. I know that you just touched upon this and we've been speaking about it almost since the start of the podcast, but what about money mindset? Because for me, I feel as a coach, I have to ask, (laughs) like certainly so much of those practical steps that you want to do are going to be hindered or somebody is going to experience resistance if you do struggle with what so many of us struggle with because of our upbringing because of like you mentioned before money traumas that we've experienced in the past and that fear that really strong anxiety that can come from the fear of losing money or not being with you know of of not having money in the first place how much is money mindset a big factor here for doing all of these things and and do you work with money mindset with clients and if yes how can we start to work on the more you know emotional aspects of money yeah great question I mean I mean it's everything I mean it underpins everything and yes I do work on clients with this because like you said if I could teach you everything about investing and you will still not do it if emotionally and mentally like you know and you're everything's behind it so yeah, 100% is so, so important. I think that the best weapons against this, like the best tools is 
really understanding that when it comes to kind of you know holding growing keeping your money like money management or knowing what to do with your money investing things like this a what I was saying earlier about it's not it's honestly not your fault because we are the first generation of women to even be able to do this you've got everything against you you know chances are your parents never spoke to you about this kind of thing or if they did they probably planted some not great ideas in your head like it's very 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 rare for someone to be brought up where there's a positive money mindset influence and accurate factual information about investing so you know you may have heard like you know investing is only for rich people which to be fair another thing to remember is between my mom's generation and my generation the world has changed so fucking much the fact that I literally got up this morning went on an app and invested in five seconds it that's absolutely unheard of like not only could my mom probably not invest because she didn't have her own money she was a housewife but it did used to be true that you would have to go down to a financial advisor and you would have to give probably a minimum of like 10 20 30,000 maybe even 100 because another thing with a financial advisor is most of them these days will not work with you unless you have at least 100 grand to invest and that's not necessarily because they're being you know elitist but it just costs a lot to be a financial advisor it's up it's very expensive because they're so regulated they need because they take a percentage of that right so they need someone with money to even like pay their own bills so these things you, you, some of these things used to be true now you can start investing for a pound or a dollar and you can do it on an app in three minutes mm-hmm. so you know what your parents taught you is probably wrong I'm gonna say and even my dad who taught me some things about money like you know he was you should save 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 but when I started this business and started talking about this he hate like he still hates it you know and we've had numerous conversations where he said xyz and now I understand the stock market I've been able to say actually you're wrong whereas mm. I used to think everything you said is gospel mm. so I think it's knowing that you're parents they might have done the best they could but chances are you know they've instilled some pretty like some fears or some not great you know beliefs and knowing that you know being open and having that growth mindset of like what you believe might not be true and knowing that you can change your beliefs and being open to the fact that you might misunderstand things or you might have got the stock market wrong or just being open to the fact that maybe you are capable of managing and your own money and building wealth and understanding this whole money thing. And, Mm. you know, I have had a new client recently and she's in her thirties, which is about the same age as me. And she said that her whole family, like she's like the running joke in her family because she's so bad with money. And Mm. she's always like, you know, she actually grew up, in a house where her parents were very generous and they gave her what she wanted. So when she was like 18, she went out and she just thought she could just have what she wanted. So she got into loads of debt. So understanding your money story is really, really important. And understanding that it was it was really given to you. And but now you can take control of it. Like everything you absorbed, all your beliefs about money and investing and managing your money and and debt you know like most most people are so oh no we need to talk about this before we run out of time about about buying a house right yeah so many people are obsessed with buying a house okay and I I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a house right at all but the numbers show that and I believe this and if you speak to a lot of personal finance experts they'll say the same your home if you buy a house that you're going to live in for the rest of your life for the next 20 years and then maybe you'll sell it and get a bigger house whatever is not an investment and chances are it will actually cost you money over the long run and people are so quick like I want to get a house and I want to get this marriage that you're going to spend the rest of your life paying off and it's because it's an it's an emotionally rooted decision is emotionally rooted because 
people have been taught buy first time get a mortgage like isn't that what we're all taught right yeah (laughs) I'm so happy you brought this up and I think me and you have spoken about this before like on on a message or something about I think I posted something about not owning property and you replied saying yeah I'm so happy I don't own a property and we were like we need to talk about this because it's not spoken about enough and it's something that really dawned on me you know people are so scared to get into debt right it's like an aversion like do we're we're taught don't live in your overdraft you know don't get into debt like it's such a big thing but but we're also at the same time taught as soon as you have any extra money save it and it's for a house deposit and then get a big mortgage. Yeah. And it's like, that's debt. We don't see it as debt because we call it a mortgage. We don't understand that when people are buying property, they're going into ginormous debt. And there's something yeah. here about, you know, maybe you can answer, why are people so obsessed with buying property and so scared of investing in investment funds and stocks and things like this? It's it's wild when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's so interesting basically so I I remember having this conversation with one of my mentors and when you make a decision about money right there's two ways you can either make it from purely logical numbers-based decision right so for example if you have debt and one amount of debt has a higher interest rate the logical numbers-based decision would be that you would pay off the debt with the highest interest rate or we make it from emotion which is what most of us are doing like we're making decisions based out of emotion so strictly from a numbers logic based standpoint the stock market has outperformed property so if you were someone who'd rented over the past 30 to 40 years but you invested in the stock market you'd be better off than someone who'd invested in property wow so that is crazy to think about that and say that out loud how yeah as a society so obsessed with property that we're almost missing the trip yeah I mean that's not to say that that'll happen over the next 30 40 years but that that's what's been the, the trend so far the other thing I mean there's there's so much to this I mean obviously like I mentioned we are just it's just drilled into us and for you know the longest time the way to build the only way to really build property to build wealth sorry was in property right the stock market is actually a relatively new thing so you know there's that there's that kind of like human thing that you know to have your own home it's an it's an emotional thing people feel secure then they're way way more familiar with property because you can everyone knows what property is right it's your home so you can touch it you can feel it but people aren't familiar with the stock market and so it's scary to them and there's so many myths about the stock market and what happens is there's so many myths and so much misunderstanding about stock market. And then you weigh that against so many positive myths about property. And so much like, imagine the way that I say it is like the stock market has the worst PR agent ever. Mm. And property has the best spin doctor ever. Because the other thing is with the stock market, it's like its whole little universe. And that's another reason I think people are so intimidated by it is because if you go and turn on like CNBC or Yahoo Finance or whatever, you'll see it's like stock market's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's crashing. It's <laughs> and, and so people are like, what the hell? When you buy shares, every day you will see the price of that share, like what it's worth, and it'll go up a little bit or down a little bit every day. And if you had the price of your house on a big billboard in front of your house, People would be just as scared of investing in property because your value of your house would go up and down every day, probably a lot more than the stock market. But we only know how much did I pay for it and how much did I sell it for. And people really like to lie to themselves about things So with, with property. So someone will say to you, oh, you know, I bought this property for 100 grand 30 years ago and I sold it for... 175 so I made 75,000 equity but that's probably completely incorrect and wrong because basically when you buy a property and you own it for 20-30 years you know you are gonna you know have to pay like so many costs associated with it like maybe you have to have a new roof or things go wrong and you're paying generally for that upkeep right and with inflation and things like that if someone actually tracked accurately what they spent on their 
own home over those years that they owned it, chances are that they would have lost money. But we just have this, you know, oh, I bought it for this and I sold it for Mm. this. And so I made money. But like you probably didn't also what most people do and this is why i believe your primary home is not not an investment in terms of like a wealth building asset it's an invest an emotional investment sure because you might feel once you've paid your mortgage off like secure because you have a house that no one can take away from you and you can live yeah. in right which i think where it, a lot a lot of the emotion comes from but let's say you do sell your house and get 75k where's that 75k going to go straight into the next house yeah. So it, you're not. I mean that that money's always really tied up in. It's like you know we obviously both rent. When I rent somewhere, I put a deposit down, and then a, you know it's a deposit. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah. a bond. Yeah, yeah. I, that bond isn't my money. I'm never going to see that bond ever, ever again. Like because it's always just going to go to the next rental property. It's so true. It's so true. So there's just it's it is such an important conversation because a property might not be you know my one of my mentors she actually bought a property and this is another way to think about it she bought a property that was much cheaper you know because another thing is people think oh I'm going to go buy a house and it's my house I want to live in right so I want it to be in this nice neighborhood and like near the schools or like whatever and so it's a lot more it's a lot more expensive what she did was she bought a house in a much less expensive neighborhood and she rents that house out and she actually rents her where she lived because she was living in like a multi-million dollar apartment on Bondi Beach in Sydney. So she bought the property for diversification purposes, which is, you know, not, you know, with your, I call it a wealth ecosystem where you're feeding your financial freedom and you're investing in what we call appreciating assets, which is essentially, if you want the simple formula for wealth, invest in appreciating assets. So from a diversification point of view, she had investment property, but she didn't buy the home she lived in because she said, I can rent a multi-million dollar house that I could never buy right now. So yeah, I think people... They just have, you know, there's so many other options for you. And also for me, for example, I was going to buy a property in the UK, but then I moved to Australia where I can't actually buy property until I, I get permanent residency. But for me, you know, it's never been like, I realized it actually wasn't the right choice for me. And the only reason I was going to do it was because I was told I should, I should do it. And also you need a huge fucking deposit. And the problem with that is someone might spend five, 10 years saving up for their dream home deposit. And all that time you're losing out on compound interest because to get involved in the stock market, for example, you can take like a hundred pounds and start getting invested. There's no, and again, I mean, I'm saying this, I want to just like say, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling people the stock market is the best option for them, but the way that I see it is like the stock market is not going to call me up tomorrow and say that my roof broke, you need to pay me £10,000. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, the stock market yeah. doesn't have tenants. I never have to like, you know, there's zero landlord things involved. Like, so I think it is just open, like you say, opening up that conversation, educating yourself and knowing there's also this obsession with paying down your mortgage. If you do have a mortgage, there's a really good calculator you can use online that shows what would happen with your money if you actually just paid your mortgage, you know, the minimum, and then you took the rest of your overflow of money and you put it into the stock market. And again, if you'd done that over the last kind of 30, 40 years, you'd be much richer mm. because you're making money and you're not, you know, paying down all this debt. Anyway, I feel like we could do a whole episode on it. And I recently did a podcast <laughs> with another, she's not a financial advisor, a financial thought leader called um, Ellie, who she does this, her handle is that this girl talks money. And she also was saying like, oh, yeah. it is about education. And it's also about understanding what works for you. For some people, they want that security of having a physical house to live in. And that works for them. And for some people, I guess, which is more what me and you resonate with is like, we want to travel the world and we want our we have different priorities in a way. And so for us, maybe 
maybe buying a property isn't the be all and end all. But I do think that it is about really educating yourself and understanding what works for you and just knowing that there are other options out there. Now, I have a question for you. It maybe it sounds a bit silly, but I want to talk about it before we finish. Is that you mentioned that you saved a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yes. This was the kind of yeah. that big financial landmark and milestone for you. Is that is is that money tied up in the stocks? When you say you saved a hundred thousand, is that money that's like accessible to you or it's tied up? So when I first hit that goal, it was all cash. So what I t- like, I have a, a program where the core focus is saving your first 100k and when I kind of reflected on it there's a, for most women and this is my own personal experience as I was in the process of saving it I was learning about investing and I was getting more comfortable with it and you know things like that so with the 100k what happened was I I saved it in cash and then I deployed it into so yes now some of it is in the stock market some of it's in savings some of it's tied in my company so I kind of got to that point where I had the money but I'd been spending that time learning about investing learning about the options available to me because with money everything is a trade-off and like you know we've been saying it really is education and knowing all the options available to you because you know someone might and and everyone has a different opinion and I think this is why it's so important that you have your own education so you can make your own decisions because otherwise you are you know there's there's a lot of people out there that are going to say this is the right thing to do with your money this is what you should do like I mean I read an article the other day that was saying that entrepreneurs shouldn't bother investing in the stock market because they should just put all of their money into their business because that will be the biggest return on investment Mm. I mean to me that's crazy from a you know diversifying your your wealth and your way your money is is really important for lowering risk like if you put all your money in one business then you know I think anyone could see that that is like a highly risk risky thing to do Mm. but you know you might decide that you don't want to pay don't want to use your house deposit for a house anymore you actually want to invest in a startup or you know you want to invest in gold or the stock market or like there's Mm. it's knowing what's out there but yeah mine it was originally in in cash and then I felt confident enough to say this is where I'm going to deploy this money so you know some of it's an emergency fund some of it's in my like you know liquid cash for my companies some of it's in the stock market some of it Mm. is actually for a property deposit but an investment because I want to get into buying property for Airbnb that's Mm. part of my retirement plan yeah but great question yeah because I think I don't remember where I read it potentially it was in in your in your content because I I follow you but I remember reading that before you start your first investing you should have six months or three months worth of your own expenses covered in like a separate fund. Is that something that you recommend? Is that like, I guess the question really is, is that at what point of having extra money should you start investing? Should it be every extra penny or should it be after you've saved a certain amount? So I, yeah, having an emergency fund is extremely important because when you invest in the stock market, you essentially are locking that money away that's not to say that you couldn't get it if you wanted to I mean if it's in a retirement like a government supported retirement fund like a 401k or a pension then you will suffer severe penalties if you try and touch that money so if you're putting it in something like that then you really do need to know that you're not going to touch it if you are investing outside of that then again, the worst thing you can do basically with investing is like pulling your money in and out of the market. You want to put it in and leave it there for Mm. as long as possible before you touch it. So the reason that people recommend having this emergency fund or living expenses put away is because if the worst happens or something happens to your income streams, you don't want to be basically pulling out money from your investments so you don't want to be there um how much you have this three to six months is extremely generic for me I think you've got to think about your personal circumstances if you're a single mum with zero social support you've got one job that is you know on shaky ground then you're someone who's going to maybe want six maybe even 
nine or 12 months of expenses because you're responsible for another human. Your income stream is not very, you know, secure and you don't have anyone that you could rely on. So someone like that is going to need a lot, you know, much bigger emergency fund. For someone like me, for example, I'm very, very, very blessed. So, I mean, my emergency fund is probably way bigger than it needs to be, but I am someone who I have, I only really have like one, well, I have a few income streams, but one like active income stream, which is my business. And that's why I do have like a a pretty decent personal emergency fund. And I also encourage any business owners to have a business emergency fund. So I have good reserves because that's just me. However, I have incredible social support. I have parents who would look after me if the worst happened. I have friends that would look after me and I could turn up at their houses and I could sleep on their sofa. I am very well educated. It wouldn't take me long to get a job if I needed. I don't, I'm not responsible for anyone else. I have no pets, no children. So for me, I can play it a bit more close to the bone because, and you know, like I said, there's always a trade-off. All that money that's sat in a savings account for an emergency fund is is basically like losing value, really. It's not doing anything apart from giving you that peace of mind, which is really important. So you've got to decide for you what helps you sleep at night, basically. Mm. Yeah. Well, I feel like we should do a whole separate episode because I feel like I can just talk forever and have so many questions. But I guess I wanted to ask you one last question. So for anybody who is listening to this, and is having heart palpitations and getting sweaty palms <laughs> because they literally live paycheck to paycheck and yeah. they don't know anything about money. Let, let's not go down that route of education, but the person who is listening and thinks that it feels so far away to yeah. save a hundred K and to have different income streams, how can they, you know, apart from education, how can they approach this now? Like, what do you think is the first thing that somebody who's listening to this and feels really panicked can do yeah. to start this long road of saving or this long road of building this wealth that is available and accessible what would you say yeah so such a good question it's a difficult one as well I think I'm I'm gonna answer this question as if I'm speaking to a woman in the western world that has opportunities because it's always a difficult question when we're talking about people that are struggling with money on the living paycheck to paycheck because there's, there's a lot of reasons why they might be stuck in that yeah. cycle. And, and and I'm very aware of saying like, oh, just make more money, like is not yeah. that simple for a lot of women. So I want to just say that disclaimer. So I'm going to answer the question as in to a woman who, who does have the opportunities. Mm. I think you've got to really ask yourself what you want. If you're stuck living paycheck to paycheck, and you don't want that life for yourself because because ultimately if we're being you know like brutally honest about wealth creation and financial freedom and that really to me that means being able to basically live off your passive income that's that's the like the definition for me is creating this passive income ecosystem whether it's living off your investments or whatever so you don't have to work anymore and so when you're living paycheck to paycheck, you, you don't have the money left over. Do you know what? Even <laughs> I think there's a lot of women living paycheck to paycheck. Some women who are on six figures are living paycheck to paycheck. So I think you first of all got to ask yourself, like, is is this a, you know, are you barely able to pay your bills or is it you're just spending everything that's coming in? And actually what you need to do is, first of all, have a look at how you're managing your money because like I said, speaking to a woman in the Western world that has all the opportunities available to her, you know, chances are that with some tweaks around your money management and your spending, you would have the money left over to say to start saving. Yeah. So I think there's that is is start by looking at how you're spending your money. And you can do that by going over your last three months of expenses and really kind of being kind of brutally honest about where your money's going. And I always teach value aligned spending and mindful spending. So make sure you're spending money on things that really are of value to you and also spending on things like taking a minute before you spend basically like that's what mindful spending is. When 
I always say to my clients, because when they come on board, obviously, we we often have this conversation of, you know, struggling to save, avoiding managing your money, things like this. If you want to, you can change. You can stop living paycheck to paycheck. You can learn how to manage your money. I think there's that belief thing that I want to say, first of all, like you are more than capable, even if you've made, you know, choices in the past that weren't the best. I have a lot of clients that are like, oh, I got into loads of debt. And so now I just feel like I'm bad with money or I don't trust myself with my money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these are decisions that you can learn from and heal from and move forward from. So I think it really is just all about, I mean, there's so many different layers to it, but I think something really key here that you're saying is just believing that it can change and believing that you have the power to take control of it, which so many of us don't have. We don't believe that. But once we start with believing that it's possible, then that's where the change can start. Yeah, I'd say like take that responsibility for if you want to get out of this situation and you want to build wealth and you want to build security, then it's taking responsibility for that and and saying like, I can do this and I can make the changes. But, you know, know you can do that, forgive yourself, start small, but just have that basis, yeah, of like belief in yourself that you can do it. I love that and such a great way to end the episode. Thank you for being such a fountain of knowledge and (laughs) sharing so many, you know, good things with the with the listeners. Where can the listeners find you and go and learn more about your, you know, your content and your courses and yeah, just connect with you and your community? Yeah, of course. The best place is Instagram. So the handle is she's underscore so money. And I also have a podcast as well, which is She's So Money. So that's a good place to start. Amazing. Well, thank you again so, so much. And I will see everyone on the podcast next week.